Well, Happy New Year. That sounded sincere. Wow. Three days in, it's still happy. And it's already snowed this year. Yay. Where? I know, right? <laughs> you had to be awake at midnight New Year's Eve to see it. But it was snowing, I promise. Good to see you all. If you're joining us online, we welcome you. If you're visiting with us or haven't been here in a while, we welcome you back. Uh, we are in the Gospel of John. We're picking back up on our Gospel of John series as we start the new year, uh, as Billy just read, with chapter 10. This is where we're going to be today. Uh, before we do that, just a couple of things to think about the new year and what, how we typically start new years. This is the time of thinking about resolutions and how you want this year to be different from last year. And typically when we make that transition from year to year, it's easy to kind of reset, uh, to set your mind on different things, kind of forget what's behind. But this year is like 2020 is kind of still lingering in the air a little bit. Uh, with you know political unrest and social distancing and all these sorts of things still kind of in the air, it's hard to reset. And so maybe you've done that yourself with like some New Year's resolutions or some things that you have kind of set for goals for this year, or maybe not at all. You're like, I'm just going to see what happens first, right? I'll do my resolutions in July. Uh, well, regardless of where you are as we get ready to get started, when you start a new year, it's a lot like taking an uncharted journey, right? There are a lot of kind of predictions or projections or things you're hoping for this year. Maybe you've got some plans for two months in, three months in, six months in. And, but, but in reality, this year is really kind of a blank slate from our perspective. We don't really know what this year has in store. Twists and turns, ups and downs. Um, we, we, we know that God knows, but from our perspective, it's a lot like stepping into the unknown. Now, different personalities approach the unknown in different ways. Some of us like uncharted territory. We enjoy the unknown. We enjoy exploring uncharted territories. Other people, more like my wife, like the predictable, like to know where we're going, like to know what's ahead and, and ask a lot of questions. Now, because I like the unknown, I, I, a couple times a year we'll get out into the unknown, out into the wilderness, hiking, backpacking, exploring. And I was thinking about, as I read John 10 uh, this past week, I was thinking about one particular hiking experience about uh, four years ago where myself and two buddies, we headed into the unknown. Well, it was unknown to two of us. One of us had been on the journey before. And so he had told us all about what to expect and how hard it was going to be and the lakes and all the things we're going to see. But until you get there, everything you imagine in your mind just isn't quite enough, right? So even if you kind of have a picture in your mind of what it's going to look like, you get there like, oh, this is what you were talking about. Well, a couple of things about this hike that, that stand out in my mind. One, it's the only hike I've ever been on where I've seen a bear. I've seen bear in the wild, but this is like you're on foot, you're miles into the wilderness, and a bear comes across the path, right? That sticks out in your mind. So that's in our mind all week long. And we're out here for about five days, and we get to the end of our food and our supplies, and it's time to come back in. Well, as much as I enjoy the unknown exploring, I, I enjoy coming back in. Like, I enjoy the journey back to the truck, the drive back into town, like this reminder, oh, we do, we are civilized. We have plumbing and things like this, right? Like, I enjoy that part of it, too. And I tend to hike out a lot faster than I hike in. A, I'm not carrying as much weight, right? So I've dropped all the unnecessary weight. But B, I'm kind of anxious to get back. And so we kind of broke some rules on this hike out um, in that we didn't stay together as a group. So two of us, this was our first time in. Well, we're at kind of out front, and the guy who had been on this journey before was back behind. And the more we traveled, the more we got separated. We got separated by about mm, 10, 15 minutes of hiking distance. And so I made it back to the truck first, and I was like, oh, let me make sure the 
Make sure it'll start. Make sure that the battery's still good. And open the ice chest. There's still cold water in there and some snacks. And so I changed clothes, put on a clean set of clothes, got my flip-flops on, and I'm ready for the drive home. About 10, 15 minutes later, another buddy comes in. Now, this is his first time to be on the journey. He comes in, same thing. Oh, it feels good to have some clean clothes on. And, oh, nice cold water. We're not drinking out of a, out of a stream. It's like bottled water. And, and then another 15 minutes goes by, and the guy who had been on this journey with us didn't show up. So I started thinking, well, he's a little slower. Maybe he's just taking his time. He's bird watching. I don't know what, is he, what, what he might be doing, but he's taking his time. Another five, 10 minutes goes by. 15 turns into 30 minutes, and he still hasn't shown up. So now we're starting to get nervous. Like, uh-oh, what happened? Did he twist an ankle? Did he break a leg? Did the bear get him? What happened? So, so we, we, he's like, well, let's go looking for him. So we go back, backtracking our path and our flip-flops with our fresh bottle of water and our clean clothes, looking for our lost buddy who still got his heavy pack on and his grungy clothing and probably wants more uh, than anything just to see the truck, right? Well, we end up finding him. It's the whole deal lasts about an hour. And the way that we kind of connected was that at some point we start yelling his name. And he started yelling our And so at some point he heard our name. Now keep in mind the wrong path he took, not only took him away from the parking area, it took him downhill. So not only is he having to try to find his way, he's having to go back uphill with his heavy pack on to find us. And so all this emotion and frustration and anxiety and like, am I ever going to find it my way back? And I hope, you know, hope I can, I can make it back before dark and all these sorts of things are going on. But when he hears our voice, something changes for him. And now he knows I'm headed in the right direction. I'll never forget the look on his face when we see each other for the first time after being separated for about an hour. Like, this is probably the first time I've ever seen this guy cry, and he gave me a big hug and, and then said a bunch of mean things about leaving him behind. But anyway, <laughs> point is, the point is that it was a turning point for him when he could hear our voice. He knew he was no longer lost, and he knew he was heading in the right direction. As we think about this year as an uncharted territory, I wonder what voices you're going to be listening to. Who is it, whose voice is it that you're listening for as you step into 2021? There are going to be a lot of voices. You already begin to hear them, right? From social media to mainstream media, a lot of opinions on different things out there. A lot of voices coming your way, and so you have to make a decision. What voice is it that you're going to listen to? Well, hopefully that gets us set for the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 10, as Jesus talks about his voice. We'll start in verse 1. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. But they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So a couple of things. First of all, let's get in our minds who Jesus is talking to. So what's important to note is that really from chapter 9 in the Gospel of John to chapter 10, we haven't changed locations. We haven't switched settings. So if we go back to chapter 9, what we're going to find is that Jesus is speaking in public, and he's addressing a specific group of people known as the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And he's addressing the Pharisees in front of a crowd of people who've been following the Pharisees. 
So if you end chapter 9 with these verses, then it kind of sets the tone. So in chapter 9, verse 40, we read this. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, the Pharisees, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And so what's happening is there's actually a confrontation brewing between Jesus and the Pharisees. Okay? And so as we move into chapter, chapter 10, Jesus is going to heat up that confrontation in, in, in really kind of an uncomfortable way if you try to imagine. So if you're a person who gets like secondary embarrassment, um, this would not be the setting for you. Because what Jesus is about to do is he's going to draw a line in the sand and confront the Pharisees in a really significant way. And he's going to accuse them of some things. And so as we start here in verse uh, 1 through 6, what we see is that, first of all, Jesus is going to refer to these guys as thieves and robbers. Not off to a great start, right? Thieves and robbers. Now, when we read uh, in the scriptures these, uh, like, parables and these word pictures and these metaphors, we need to be cautious that we don't overinterpret them, like pull every detail apart and try to figure it out. The best way to interpret a parable or um, one of these teachings from Jesus is look at the main theme. Who are the characters and what is the main theme? Okay, because it's not allegory where every detail has a parallel interpretation. So that's the way we're going to approach this today. What's the main thing Jesus is communicating as he speaks with these kind of word pictures? Well, he says to the Pharisees, you guys are thieves and robbers. And the first thing he says is, here's how you know a thief and a robber. They try to get in the wrong way. They break in through like a window or through a back door. They try to get into the house a different way. So as we think about this house or what Jesus is describing here is kind of the sheep pen and the barn, essentially what he's talking about is the kingdom of God, heaven, eternal life. How do you become one of God's people? Well, The thieves and robbers will try to get in a different way. They won't come in through the front door. They'll try to get in a different way. They're like strangers to the sheep even. The sheep don't recognize their voice, so when they hear the voice of a stranger, a sheep should do what? Flee. Run the other way. Don't don't trust that voice when you hear the voice of a stranger. Now, in contrast to the thieves and the robbers, Jesus is referring to himself as a shepherd of the sheep. And this is how you know the shepherd because he enters through the front door. He doesn't try to climb in through a window or cut a hole in the roof or sneak in. He comes right in the door. But not only that, the gatekeeper opens to him. So you've got this like barn for sheep and a sheep pen, and there's this main entrance in, and there's a gatekeeper who, who, who lets the right sheep in and keeps the wolves out. And so as the shepherd approaches, the gatekeeper opens the door to this shepherd. But not only that, the sheep, the sheep, when they hear his voice, they do what? They follow. They follow this voice wherever it goes, and he calls them by name. And one of the things, and we'll see this unfold throughout chapter 10 today, is the intimate relationship between a shepherd and the sheep. Okay, so like, I don't know if you've ever raised animals, livestock, herds of animals. The more you have, the harder it is to recognize the, the, the animals individually, Right? you got a pasture with 100 black cows in it. It's hard to know them. You have to tag them and put numbers so you can know which one's which and how old they are and which calf belongs to which cow. But the thing about shepherds and sheep is that the shepherds live with the sheep, so they knew them very intimately. Their nuances could pick them apart. 
you maybe tell the different personalities. And so as Jesus describes himself as the shepherd to the sheep, which is essentially us, he's saying, listen, I know you, and I know you by name. I've actually named you. You don't name a pasture full of cattle, right? But if you have sheep and you know them intimately, you call them by name. And so Jesus begins to set up this contrast between his leadership and the leadership of the Pharisees. And there's an interesting thing that Jesus is bringing out here as he talks about the gatekeeper. He's positioning himself as a mediator between the sheep and the gatekeeper, right? The gatekeeper is going to open when the shepherd shows up, right? So it's the shepherd who acts as this mediator to get the door open so the sheep can come in. So we continue on, verse 7, Jesus says to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. So he's bringing that out again. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And then we get this fairly commonly known Bible verse in John 10, 10. The thief comes to do what? To kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come. I've came that what? They may have life and have it abundantly. Okay, and so we've got this, again, this contrast. Now Jesus is not only referring to himself as the shepherd, he's referring to himself as the door. Might sound like he's kind of shifted word pictures a little bit, but he hasn't. Essentially what he's saying is, I'm not only the one who leads you in, I'm the means by which you get in. So here's what I think Jesus is talking about. So you think about God in heaven, looking down on earth, getting ready to initiate his salvation plan. He doesn't send an angel to be our shepherd. He doesn't send, you know, Moses or one of the prophets to come and to lead his people. He comes himself to lead his people. And so not only is God himself leading us with his voice into the kingdom, right? He himself dies on the cross, resurrects from the grave to become the doorway, the means by which we get in. It's not enough just to say, I believe that God is real. There's a door you have to cross through. And Jesus says, I'm that door. I'm the only means by which you can get into the kingdom of heaven. I'm not just the shepherd coming to lead you. I'm the very doorway into God's family. And so I am the door. And the contrast here is that when you follow thieves and robbers, what you will reap is what? Death, thievery, and destruction. There are a lot of robbers and thieves right now in our culture. A lot of voices, I know it sounds harsh, that I think Jesus is even referring to, even in a different day and time, right? A different, different set of voices, but still the same. Voices that are after you, that seek to kill and to steal and to destroy. And you'll know in the end, right, what voices you've listened to, right? You'll know when you get to the end of 2021, you look back, you'll know which voices you follow. Jesus says, you follow the wrong voices, they'll lead to death, thievery, and destruction. However, if you follow the voice of the shepherd, it will lead you where? To abundant life. Okay, and so now one of the things I want to kind of talk through here is, as we think about abundant life, we ask, what are you talking about, Jesus? Are you talking about good life now or good life later? Are we talking about being good now, like having joy now? Are we talking about eternal life? And, and really the answer is yes. Yeah, so the idea is not that 
We just have to white knuckle our way through this life, through this world, get to death, finally sigh a spiritual breath of relief. Ha, I've made it to the abundant life. When Jesus is saying, no, put your trust in me, follow my voice, and you'll begin abundant life now. Now, we don't get to make up what abundant life is. He's not speaking about wealth and prosperity and your kids are always going to obey and your marriage is going to always work out the way you want it to work out and everybody's going to get along. But what he's saying is, listen, the joy that is yours in heaven, the peace that is yours in heaven, the eternal security that is yours in heaven, you can have a taste of that right now. The abundant life can start right now. Well, how do I get that this year? What resolutions do I need to get abundant life? And Jesus simply says, listen, here's how you get that. You listen to my voice and you follow me. We're stepping into an uncharted territory. Now think about the way God leads his people. Isn't that how God leads his people? Whether you're looking at the nation of Israel wandering through the wilderness, right? God didn't roll out a map and say, here's where we're going. What did God say to the nation of Israel? Follow me. I'll lead you in my presence, right? A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That's how you know you're going in the right direction. Back up to Genesis, to Abraham. God says to Abraham, hey, you ready to go? Yeah, where are we going? To the place I'm going to show you. How do I know where we're going? You don't. How will I know when I get there? Because you're following my voice. If you get to a place and I'm not there, you know you went the wrong way, right? But as long as you hear my voice, it doesn't matter what's happening around you. You know you're headed in the right direction. God is a God who leads his people in uncharted territory with his presence, day by day, moment by moment. And I believe Jesus is alluding to that here. And we continue on in, to verse 11. He takes this idea of being a shepherd and really turns it up a notch. And in a way, he's really going to, he's going to kind of draw up or, or ramp up the confrontation and the separation and the contrast between him and the Pharisees. So look at what he says next in verse 11. Not only does he refer to himself as a shepherd, look what he says. I am the good shepherd, which means there are what? Not good shepherds. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So now the reference to the Pharisees as being thieves and robbers, he addresses an issue. One of the issues is what? You're just a hired hand. Like you don't own the sheep. They don't belong to you. You don't care for them like I care for them. Why? Because they belong to me. So like, think about like, there's a difference between being an employee and being a business owner, right? I mean, Every business owner wants an employee who acts like a business owner, right? Who cares to that level. The reality is, right, the one who owns the business cares more about the business and what happens than those who are just hired hands. At the end of the day, a hired hand clocks out and does what? Goes home. Off their mind. Doesn't think about it. Doesn't care about it until when? I clock in the next day. But the business owner is always thinking about it, right? And this is what Jesus is talking about. Here's the problem. You guys as Pharisees, you're just hired hands, and in a way, I think what Jesus is saying here is he contrasts himself as the good shepherd. He's saying, listen, you're pseudo-shepherds, fake shepherds, wannabe shepherds. You lead when it's convenient, when it serves you, but when it doesn't serve you anymore, you go home. You're just a hired hand. 
you're not a good shepherd. This idea of pseudo-shepherds, I think we can once again return to thinking about our own day and time and culture and all the different voices we hear. There are a lot of pseudo-shepherds in our world today, people who want to lead you, who would claim to know the way, the way to happiness, the way to prosperity, the way to peace. There are a lot of voices out there of pseudo-shepherds who are inviting you to follow them. Literally, follow me. (laughs) Follow my YouTube channel. Follow my Facebook page. Follow me, and I will lead you somewhere good. Pseudo-shepherds. The problem with the pseudo-shepherds is what? They're just hired hands. You don't belong to them. They don't care for you like Christ does, the good shepherd. Verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So as Jesus takes this idea of him being the good shepherd even a step further, he talks about, listen, I'm a good shepherd because I know you and you know me. And he distinguishes himself as a good shepherd because he lays his life down for the sheep. Now, he takes that even a step further. He says, not only does he lay it down, what does he, he takes it back up again. I want to talk about why that's really important. It would be noble, noteworthy, admirable if Jesus just simply laid his life down. Right? We, we honor people in our society who do that. Veterans, first responders, people who put themselves in harm's way for the sake of somebody else, who willingly lay their lives down for someone else. That would be noteworthy, right? But, but the idea here is actually more than just being noteworthy. It's that Jesus has not only willingly placed himself in harm's way, but he survived, right? Think about that. If you're a sheep and wolves are coming to attack the flock and the shepherd puts himself in harm's way, even lays his life down, what do you do the next day? Like, what happens next? Now, the idea of the wolf coming, I think John Piper pulls this this out really well. He says, if you look at the Gospel of John, there are three primary enemies um, against you, things coming after you. And he lists the enemies of sin, death, and final judgment. Those seem to be the things that Jesus is, is protecting you from. Of course, Satan behind it all, but ultimately those are the three things. And so Piper would say that that's a reference. This wolf reference is a reference to that. I would add to that list just suffering in general. Um, if we think about what Jesus said in Matthew 7 about how you build your life, he said, listen, if you, build your, if you hear these words of mine and you do what I'm saying, it's like the wise man who builds his house where? On solid rock. The storm is coming. So when the storm comes, what happens to the house? It withstands the storm. However, if you don't listen to those words of mine, you don't do it, you're like the man who builds his house where? On shifting sand. The storm comes and the house is blown over. So I think that same idea is here. There's a raging storm in the distance coming your way. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a wolf or a wolf pack in the distance coming your way. The question isn't if, the question is when they're coming, right? 
And so it's not enough for, for Jesus just to, to, to die for you if he doesn't do something for the next day. So when Jesus raises again on the third day, listen, this is so important. He's displaying his power and victory over your enemies. Sin, death, final judgment, and Satan himself. He's saying, in the end, I get the final word. So our good shepherd not only lays his life down for us, like he lives to breathe and to, and to protect us another day. Are you with me on that? That's why that's so important. It takes it from being noteworthy to being powerful. And Jesus says here, and I love the wording here, no one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. What is he saying? So when you think about the cross, Jesus being crucified, it's not like the shepherd got backed into a corner. It's not like the shepherd and the sheep got trapped in a corner and the wolves came in and Jesus is like, well, I guess we'll just do it this way. Think about, we just, we just celebrated Christmas. At the birth of Christ, as an infant, becoming a toddler, when he takes his first step, that first step is headed to the cross. That's his plan A. He's born to lay his life down. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't think in just a, a few short weeks when I am on a cross hanging there, breathing my last breath, that by any means they trap the shepherd. Like this is before the cross. He's saying to his father, when you see me there hanging on the cross, I want you to know something. I did that on my own accord. I chose to do that. That's the kind of shepherd I am. I will lay my life down for you, and here's where it gets exciting, and I will take it back up again. That's the kind of good shepherd we have in Jesus. Amen. So, like, it's not just one step away from the pseudo-shepherds in our world. It's like two steps away, meaning this, right? So the first step is this. When the wolves come, where do the hired hands go? They flee and they abandon you. That's what's going to happen. That will happen this year and next year and the year after and every year of your life. When you follow the voice of the pseudo-shepherds, when the wolves come or the storm comes, they're going to abandon you. They're going to leave you disappointed. Okay, but the second part of that is not only does Jesus stay and fight, he wins. Like, that's good news. That's your savior. Not just a sacrificial lamb, but a victorious lion who takes his life back up again. So I want to end with this. The main characters of the story are the shepherd and the thieves and robbers, but the other characters in the story are the sheep. That's us, right? Think about it. Those are the people who are listening to Jesus confront the Pharisees. So I want you to think about this. What is the defining criteria of those who are sheep in this story? It's not those who read their Bible every day. Jason just told me I don't have to read my Bible We'll come back to that. It's not those who prayed for an hour every day. It's not those who have the fish, little stickers on their windows, little or the right? It's, it's not those things. It's a very simple criteria. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and they what? Know me. We just sang a song earlier uh, entitled Yearn. Uh, we sing that actually quite often. And really that song is just a prayer. And what's in that, that song that I love, I don't know if you caught on to that line, talks about how, you know, why am I fine? 
right? Why am I fine knowing that your joy is mine? Why am I fine with all this bringing grain? Okay, that's a reference to the Old Testament version of worship. If we were in the Old Testament, we were worshiping God today, we would all bring gifts. And some of those gifts would be grain because that's probably the thing that almost everybody has. We can't all afford goats and cows. So we'd bring our grain and we'd offer that up as a sacrifice to the Lord. And so what happens is that religious activity begins to take the place of our worship. And we think, I'm fine. I brought my grain. I'm fine. And we walk away. And so that's what the song is talking about. Why am I fine just going through the motions of this religious system that I've built? I want more than that. I want to yearn for you. I want to know you. Listen, if you in your New Year's resolutions have committed to read through the Bible every, you know, all this, the whole Bible this year, maybe reading every day, I applaud you and I get behind you. If you have come to me and said, hey, I'm thinking about reading through the Bible next year. Do you have a plan for me? I would encourage you to take the three-year route, okay? Because if you're like me, it, it, it takes a little minute for me to comprehend things. So I, I don't want to read too fast. Otherwise, what I end up doing is I just check a box. And my Bible reading becomes just a religious activity. The, like the, the Pharisees were experts in bringing grain, and that's all that I would be doing. You with me? I'm going to commit to 15 minutes of prayer every day. Well, if all I'm doing is checking a box or, 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 or checking it off in my app on my phone that I did my religious activity, I'm completely missing the criteria for being a sheep. What is the criteria? I know my sheep and they know me. All of your Bible study, reading, all of your prayer, all of your fasting, maybe you've thought about fasting this year. Highly encourage you to fast from social media for the next 12 months. <laughs> Said it. Okay, um, but all of the, all that religious activity is, is for naught. It's just bringing grain unless it's a means by which you get to know him. Like, why do we place so much emphasis on the Bible? Because these are his words. So how do I recognize the voice of God if that's what I'm supposed to be following to this uncharted territory of 2021? How do I recognize his voice? I got to know the kinds of things he says. I've got to know what he sounds like. How do I, I read his words? I love that we worship a God who has written things down for us, right? You want to know what he sounds like? You, you read it. So as you open the Bible, if you're reading through a one-year Bible plan, a three-year Bible plan, or simply just reading it devotionally, you're reading, so you're tuning your ears and your heart to hear the voice of God so that you'll recognize his voice when he leads you. How do you know you're headed in the wrong direction this year? Because you get to a place where God is not. How do you know that you're heading in the right direction this year? It's not because things are easy. It's because God's there. He's leading you like a shepherd leading sheep. Say, yeah, you know me. Follow my voice. We're going into uncharted territory. It's going to be nerve-wracking. There are going to be wolves, storms, all kinds of enemies, thieves, and robbers. But listen, just listen to my voice and keep following. Why? Because I'm the good shepherd. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. How do I know that? Because I'm the kind of shepherd who lays my life down and takes it up again for you. So this defining criteria is this. It's those who know Jesus and those he knows. I don't know if you caught on to what he said in verse, uh, I think it's in 15. He says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. So how well does Jesus want you to know him? The same way he knows the Father. So I'm just going to venture to guess you don't know him that well yet. You, you may be here today, and you've been a Christian for 60 years. You still don't know him that well. There's still more getting to know him to do, right? 
until you know him the way he knows the Father. That's a description of our relationship with him. Once again, just reading from what we've read today, verse 4. When he has brought us, brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. So I want to leave you with a question. What steps can you take today, this week, this year, to get to know the voice of the shepherd better? Like, that's probably the most important resolution you can make. Like, what steps do you need to take to get to know Jesus better? That is your best shot at abundant life in 2021. I'm telling you, better than anything else you've resolved to do. What step can you take today, this week, this year to get to know his voice better? Maybe God's calling you to some kind of specific next step or getting more connected to the church. Grab one of those next step cards and write it down. Like follow God's example. He's a God who writes things down. And if you're like me, if I don't write it down, it's gone. Like if God's speaking to you today, write it down. If it's a next step you need to take here with the church, like hand that in, put it in a brown box, bring it to one of our pastors or elders. If it's just something personal between you and the Lord, write it down anyway, stick it in your Bible, take it with you, okay? Write down what you hear God speaking to you today. I'm gonna pray for us now as our worship team comes back up and a couple of things I just wanna mention. Um, if you're new or visiting with us, all of our elders are wearing lanyards. Um, there's an elder right here. That's to make us easily identifiable to you. I know that we don't know all, know all the elders. And so if there's a prayer concern in your life or something you want to talk about, or maybe God's spoken something to you today, and you just need to say it out loud before you leave and forget, grab one of our elders. Um, any questions you have about the church or anything else going on, we'll have some pastors down front as well. We'd love to talk with you more about that. But let me pray for us. And then we'll respond. As we pray, I just want you to think about how well you know Jesus. And even as you hear my voice and you hear me praying to God, think about this. Have you come to the place in your journey where you've placed your trust and your faith in the good shepherd? Maybe that's why you're here today. As I'm praying, I'm just gonna encourage you to pray in your own heart, to take that step of faith to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. For the rest of us and know Christ, my prayer is that we will get to know him better. So Father, this is our prayer. We thank you for the good shepherd in Jesus who has come not only to lay his life down, but to take it back up again. Our hope is not just that he's different from other shepherds, but that he is actually victorious, that he has power over our greatest enemies. Father, we pray right now over the individuals who are present either online or here in this room. God, before we leave this time, that, Father, our ability to recognize your voice would become more acute, that we would learn even more how to recognize your voice. And Father, anybody here today that does not know you personally, that today would be that day of salvation, the day that they would put their trust and their hope and everything that they are and trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior. So Father, we ask your Holy Spirit now to move and work through our hearts, to convict us, to stir in us, to heal us, to work in us as only you can. We pray it all in Jesus' name.
Amen.